wrong phone. Turn to Isaiah 42. Going to go through some notes here. I've been in a series up in Sacramento, just to give you a little bit of a, a quick background. Every Saturday night in Sacramento, we have our prayer room open from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. We have devotional sets. Uh, sometimes we do a worship with a word set. So we take a passage of scripture and sing through it. And then sometimes we do intercession. Tomorrow night we'll be doing intercession. And um, But every week we have people come in and out, and I take about 20 minutes to teach. And so I'm in the process of doing short little series, you know, three-week series. And they're all basically the same, but like why the house of prayer? Like tomorrow night I'm starting a new one. The wisdom of the house of prayer. The purpose of the house of prayer is what we just came out of. And so um, I was just really... What's so good for me is I get to teach the Bible truths and principles that, that build the house of prayer, that watch this prayer room get established in things of the scriptures. We have to go to the Bible to understand why we're doing a thing. Are all the other, are they everybody else gone that, that was on the team? Are they coming back in? Yeah, because I want, if they're singers, I want them to hear this tonight so I, I can stall out. Hopefully they're coming bit. back in. Because some of you guys know this, but I was, for those of you that are veterans in this, I have got, I'm getting re-stirred in the whole reason why we sit in a prayer room every day. Excellent. In fact, I'm getting ready to do a series called Making the Prayer Room Personal. Ooh, and awesome. that is, I'm excited to do that one too because people don't know why they're supposed to go in a prayer room. And so point, my point is to all this is we go, hey, I went to Kansas City once, and I went to a prayer conference, and I did this. they do this thing where they sing, and I love that, and I felt Holy Spirit goosebumps. And that does nothing for you to get you around why you should go to a house of prayer if there's one in your city. So I'm preaching not just to you or teaching to you tonight. I'm, you know, I do this often. I'm saying it in the heavens, in the atmosphere, because there's a whole bunch of people in Livermore that are so disconnected from the knowledge of God Jesus, even if they go to church, and you're like, why can you say that? Because it's just true. I've, I lived in a house of prayer for 11 years, and I see places in my heart where I'm just disconnected from Jesus at times. And these are gifts. This room is a gift. And again, I know that I'm, I'm not just saying it to you. I'm saying it in the atmosphere. And so, um, yeah, so good. So I've been in this, I was in a series that I just finished up on the purpose of the prayer room. So I took four or five things, and as you can see the notes that you're holding tonight, one of the reasons is to equip and release prophetic singers like you guys who were up on the singing tonight, gals in the back here, um, and others that sing, and I, I really have a, a, a passion for that. But not just for people that would maybe be on a seemingly like a platform, because really that's great and all, but you as a believer are called, as we'll look at in a minute, your response to what the Lord wants to do on planet Earth in the coming years is to sing. Mm -hmm. That's the response of every person, even if you can't carry a tune. You're like, how can you say that? I'll show you. You probably read it before in Isaiah 42. So I'm in, I've been talking about the purpose of the house of prayer because up in Sacramento, there's people that understand it, people that don't. And so even myself getting reconnected to these values and the purpose of the house of prayer gives you reason why you go into this room. Why you come into a room is really vital. Most people go to conferences in the church, go to different events in the church because of what they can receive from it. If we're honest, it's always me-based. It's me, my need-based of why I go to a thing. 
But once the Lord gets a hold of our heart, we realize it's not about me, it's about him and his purposes. On the front end, we appeal to, again, most of our churches, we design most of our ministries to appeal to what I get from them. What do they offer me? What can I receive from this particular ministry? What's the best thing for my kids? What's the best thing for my marriage? What's the best thing for everything about me? And the Lord says, well, that's okay on the front end. But long term, this is, I want you to be connected to what I want in the earth, and you're right in the middle of it. Again, I'm not just teaching to you, for those of you that have heard me speak for 13, 15 years, I'm saying this in the atmosphere because of this little room, this little thousand square foot room that the Lord is smiling upon, and one of the purposes, one of them, is to equip you and I to sing and to equip musicians to, to really be connected to what God's doing in this room. Last week, in our Saturday night service, we had a young lady, 25 years old, walk in. Leslie was uh, there and, and met her coming in the door. But outside, and she was looking around going, is this where the house of prayer is? Again, that's what I do in life. I never have a sign on the building that I'm in. I've never had a sign in any building. I just go, house of prayer there, and maybe it'll work. And the Lord's like, I'm with you. Go. You don't need a sign. Once again, on Saturday nights, I have no signage. It's just, we're at this building. Come on in. We're here. So this girl comes in, and Leslie says, hey, this girl is, and I didn't know at the time, but she just found us here, and she comes in. And at the end, Zach comes up to me, and he goes, hey, Ilona's here. I go, Ilona? Who's Ilona? And he goes, we gave her a ride home one time when we were doing a youth internship during the summer. And I go, we gave a lot of kids rides home. I don't know who this is. And she comes up after and he goes, Dad, you remember her? We gave her a ride home. She did this internship. We had like 40 teens. You guys remember? Karen and Amy? Anybody else? Uh, yeah, Karen and Amy will remember. Amy, you remember. We used to do teen internships. Every summer, we'd have 25 to 40 teenagers your age that would be in the prayer room for two or three weeks. I don't know what we were thinking when we did that stuff. We were crazy. And we did it with teenagers. Like, again, 25 to 40 teenagers. We spent eight hours a day with you guys in a prayer room three weeks straight. And then took you miniature golfing or something, too. I don't know. We did all kinds of crazy stuff. It was, it was, a, it was great. Well, Ilona was one of these gals that did an internship with us. She's 25 years old. I have a point with this. She moved to Chicago recently. She just drove back last week with a friend to move back to Dublin. And she's like, where's the house of prayer? So she starts Googling and she finds somehow our website for United Prayer for Sacramento. And she drives from Dublin <laughs> To Sacramento last week, because she, she looks at the website, she was telling Zach and I at the end of the evening last week, she goes, she sees our picture on the website, she goes, I know those two guys, and she gets in her car and drives up and sits for three hours in the house of prayer last Saturday night. I go, Ilona, what are you doing here? There's a house of prayer in Livermore like 10 minutes away from you. She goes, I didn't know. I go, well, I'm coming down next Friday night. And if you're in Dublin, you need to come over for the night watch that we're going to do at Parkway, which she's familiar with, where we go in just a little bit. Yeah. Here's the point with that. I'm, first of all, I'm, 
I'm blown away that this gal, it's just been, it's, she's 25 years old, she's probably 14 at the time when she did the internship, right. and the hunger in her heart that she would drive up just trying to find us, us. And I just happened to be the face or whatever that she discovered because I'm going up there. Point is, she's saying on sets in our little prayer room over there when she was 14 or 15 years old, like some of you guys are doing, teenagers, playing and singing on the sets. And here she is, 10 years older, and she's like, I've got to get to the house of prayer. Because we would take you guys at your age and put you in front of a microphone, even no matter how well you could sing, or we put you on a guitar, even if you only knew one chord or no chords, we put you up there. Everybody used to tell me, because I get around people in Sacramento that knew me in the early days, that because of our relationships, and they would say, Jim Stilwell was the guy that would put people on the platform if they could fog a mirror. You know what I mean by that? It means you were breathing. If you could put a mirror in front of your mouth and you would fog it up, it meant you could get on the platform and sing or play. Because we're serious about putting you in front of Jesus in this way. All right. So I'm thinking about Ilona. I'm like, this. She, this, she found us out. She drives to Sacramento last week. So I'm hoping... God, bring Ilona. Let's pray for her right now. Father, we ask that you would stir up Ilona tonight and bring her to Parkway at 10 o'clock. Remind <laughs> her that we're going to be there for the night watch, Lord, and set her back in that room to come and watch and pray with us tonight. In Jesus' name. Hey, Jay. Just telling the history. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh, I, I think the Lord's going to do that, though, with a, a lot of young people. He's going to bring them back where he gave birth to them, in a sense. I could say it that way. You know what I mean by that? Gave birth. I don't mean like real, like, ew, birth, but just birth them in God, like what he's doing in your life. I'm so glad tonight, Amy, and you know, that we started out just singing in the spirit, lifting our voices. I'm like, we're going to come full circle and do that tonight when we end if we have time. I just love that. I love singing in the spirit. I just love doing the I love all that. I just love, I love that. Just do it for hours, you know? Well, so I've been preaching this series on why God, the purpose of the house of prayer is to equip and release prophetic singers and musicians. Notice I didn't say backup singers. Nobody in the room that ever sings in the house of prayer is a backup singer to add a little doo-wop to the music. You're not there to doo-wop and make the main singer sound better, although that happens a lot, especially if you're singing with me. But that's not your purpose in the house of prayer, to be a doo-wopper. Yes, that is tweet-worthy. Don't be a doo-wopper in the house of prayer. You are set in the house of God to proclaim who he is. You teenagers that sing on the set, don't be, Tanisha, don't be bashful. Sing into that might. Sing into that might. Whatever's coming up in your heart about Jesus, don't hold it back because it does something in a room and it does something in a city. Sing. Be bold with it. In the house of prayer, you'll never find anybody going, don't sing so much. If you sing something wrong, we talk about that later. That happens all the time. Who cares about that? But God uses the house of prayer to raise prophetic singers up. Prophetic meaning those who have the heart of God 
to be released in that moment because God wants to release something that way. So let's look at this tonight. Isaiah 42. Let me give you the history on Isaiah 42 a little bit, a very brief history. You, you can't read Isaiah 42 without reading Isaiah 41, right? That's how it works. You read a book. You've got to read one chapter and go to the next. But we don't do that all the time. We just preach a message and a verse that we really like. But if you follow the progression of Isaiah 4, chapter 41 from verses 21 all the way to the end of chapter 41, let me just bore you with this for a minute. I'm not trying to impress you. just trying to set the scene here. The Lord himself is saying in the end of Isaiah 41, he says, present your case. Let them show us what will happen. If they're really God, then what they say will really come to pass. The Lord's actually calling their bluff in, I, in chapter 41. He's talking about all the false gods that are in the land, all the idols. And that's happening today in our world. There's so many voices out there appealing to us. In every realm of society, media, politically, every form, every social platform out there, your Instagram, your Facebook, dear Lord, your Facebook, my God, your Instagrams, everything, everybody's got something to say to us they think so important. And it fills us with more clutter and traffic in our soul. You guys hear me on that? Be on your Instagram. Show me what you're eating for lunch. I don't mind that. Give me the picture of your, you know, greatest hamburger in the world that you're having. But there's so much clutter and so many voices out there that want our attention. It's not just among teenagers. It's happening with old guys like me. I go, I'm, I'm off it right now. I went off it a few weeks ago. I, I told Leslie, go, I'm out. I can't survive this anymore. I'm, I'm done. I can't, I, I just can't do it. Because I get too distracted by everything that's on there. I'm like, oh, that's happening, that's happening. What about that? That person made this comment. I'm like, oh, I'm all fired up. And then I get carnal and worked up about somebody's comment about something. I'm like, wow, I need to look at Jesus more. Which is on me. It's not because people are posting things. It's not their problem. It's really on me. I just know my limits. But God's saying in chapter 41 of Isaiah, he goes, there's so many voices, and there's so many false gods out there. Let's call them to task. And he goes through the whole progression. He tells him, he goes, look, who is there? He says, look, there's no, there was no man. I looked among them. There was no counselor. Whoa, who, when I asked of them, could answer a word? The Lord's like, there's nobody who has an answer out there. And he leads us up to chapter 42, which is on your notes. And he goes, Chapter 42, verse 1. Behold my servant. He is talking about Jesus. And then he goes on to say, Whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. He goes, I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the Gentiles. Or another way to think of that is he will bring justice to the nations. He was speaking to Israel here in Isaiah 42. But he's laying out the progression. He goes, there's nobody out there but my son. When the, when the Bible says, behold, it means look, pay attention. My son, whom my spirit is on, whom I uphold, he's the one who's going to bring justice to the nations. So here we go. The purpose of the house of prayer. Follow along with me. My notes are... Kind of boring, 
but I have a, process, a thought process to them. Look at letter A. The greatest crisis happening, the greatest injustice happening in your world today is not what you're reading about on Facebook or Instagram or hearing in the news. I don't care what it's attached to, politically, socially. The greatest injustice, the greatest crisis in our world is that Jesus is not being adored for who he is. That's the greatest crisis and the greatest injustice of all. Tonight, right now, when this isn't happening, when this crisis is continuing on, it gives way to every other injustice that Facebook, the news, everybody's talking about. The reason there's so much discussion and the reason there's so much injustice going on is because Jesus the Lamb is not being adored. Purpose number one of houses of prayer in cities. Injustice is the result of people refusing the rule of God or him being king over their life. I suffer injustice in my life. I interpret things through a lens of injustice when I am not embracing who Jesus is and adoring him. It breaks down to my individual life and as well corporately with people. The Father chose Jesus because Jesus would be faithful to the Father's solution. Again, chapter 41, the Father's saying there's a lot of false idols, there's a lot of false gods, there's a lot of things wanting your attention that promise to fulfill you, that promise to satisfy you. None of it's going to do it. Behold, Jesus is on the scene now. Behold my servant. He will bring justice to the nations. So the Father chooses Jesus to carry out his solution, to end the crisis, the injustice of of men's injustice on the earth and it's as we adore Jesus as we worship him just like we did tonight now here's the thing with God's plan and we all can relate to this no matter how old we are in the room God's plan does not happen overnight his promises to your life to your family to your ministry over your children over your life they do not happen overnight a lot of the things that God's promised to do in all of our lives happen over a long period of time problem for us that's when we get discouraged easily problem for us we go I'm committed forever Jesus but if his time frame is longer than our commitment which it normally is because we sometimes make our commitment a lot bigger than God's commitment to us. He's like, I'm totally committed to my word over you. And your commitment, Jim, you don't have a lot of stamina in your commitment. You may seem like you do, but your commitment level is not going to outlast my commitment level. Therefore, you need to pay attention to the rest of this verse where it says that God's spirit is upon him. And that he will not be discouraged or fail in his ability to bring forth his solution. Isaiah 42, verse 4. He will not fail, nor will he be discouraged. Talking about Jesus. 
I take great encouragement and strength from that. I think of that often as we just in our lives have transitioned out of, you know, it's been two years now, two and a half almost. But as we transitioned our lives geographically from as a family, from knowing a rhythm of life for 20 years between living in Martinez as pastors, being here for 11 years in, in, in the Tri-Valley, knowing the lay of the land, raising our children, and then transplanting ourselves up into a region where you're like, okay, who are you doing this little ministry with? Me, Leslie, and Zach. Here we go. And the Lord says, I will not fail. I will not be discouraged. I take great strength from that. When the Lord said that, he was actually talking about the Lord's commitment to carry out his desire for revival. Not just a little outpouring in the city of Livermore for the summer, which we're grateful for when those things happen. We're very grateful for that. But way beyond that, he's talking about justice to the nations, and then we're going to get into our part in it, and the simplicity of our part. So our response to God's solution, he goes, behold my son, he will carry out the solution to bring justice to the nations. He will end every injustice. He won't be discouraged, and he will not fail. Now, it's talking about Jesus' first coming in the first couple of verses of chapter 42. If you, if you read the other verses that I didn't highlight, it says, he will bring forth justice, he won't cry out, he won't, he won't raise his voice in the streets. It speaks of Jesus' humility, his meekness. Jesus didn't make a name for himself when he came the first time. He just kind of moved around, started healing people. And when he started moving power, they're like, we got to put him away. And Jesus is like, it's not my time yet. And so that first part of Isaiah 42, the father, through the prophet Isaiah, is describing Jesus' first coming. Talks about his tenderness. Look at verse 3, if you have your Bibles open. I, love, I just got to mention this language. It says, a bruised reed he will not break. What does that mean? It means that if you're, if you're hurting in your life, if you're bruised, he won't come along and break you. That's not who he is. He's tender. He doesn't come and break you when you're already bruised. You guys, Jesus is so much more tender than we know him to be. Way more tender. He's way more tender than I think I am toward other people. He is the most tender than anybody will ever be. And he describes himself here. He says, I will not break you when you're bruised. Nor will I put out a smoking flax. It means like a candle wick. You ever watched a, uh, you ever seen a candle that's about to go out? We just walk up to it and go, <laughs> you know, it's kind of fluttering. We're like, let's just put that out. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that to us when we seem like we're about to go out and we have no more He's like, I will not be discouraged. I will not fail at this. I will not put out a candle wick that's about to go out that's losing its power. I won't do that to you. It just describes who he is. This is the knowledge of who Jesus is to us. Like, I won't give up on you when you want me to. When you want me to say, do you want out of the ring, Jim? 
Do you want out? Do you want out of what I've asked you to do? And this applies to all of us. Would you like to get out of this? Yes, Lord. He goes, sorry. I'm not putting out the fire. Because I will not fail and I will not be discouraged with what my Father has given me responsibility to do through you. Just, it's the knowledge of God. It's who he is. Okay, I said an inch of that. I can never get away from talking about Isaiah 42 without saying that. Look at your next point, number two. We all have a response to God's solution. Everybody getting sleepy in here because it's hot? Everybody need to stand up and wiggle? Everybody alive? I know what it's like when everybody starts doing this on me. <laughs> Stay with me. I know it's hot. We could fan, you, fan yourself or something. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. Yo, <laughs> you know this. If you don't, do what you want with it. Prophecies, when you get a prophetic word from somebody, call them words of encouragement, whatever you want, prophecies are invitations into God's plan. They don't necessarily mean that you're going to have a role in the prophecy of God unless you take him up on the invitation. It's not enough for you to get a prophetic word. We have to go the distance and go, Lord, what is my response to the prophetic word? Otherwise, we're not good stewards. We're not responsible with prophetic words. We're just like, I got a word. That means I'm going to run on the mountains and be awesome. The Lord's like, no, that's not what I had in mind. You're already awesome. You're already awesome. But I want to partner with me in this. Prophetic words are invitations into God's plan. So when we get a prophetic word, when we read prophecy in the scriptures like we're doing right now in Isaiah 42, our response should be, what can I do? What is my response? What part do I play in this? And the Lord says, I'm glad you asked. Let's keep keeping the flow here. Jump all the way down to verse 10. Isaiah 42, verse 10. The Lord says, My son, behold, he's coming. He will carry out justice in the nations. The Lord's saying, I know there's crisis in the nations. I know there's injustice in the nations. And you can list them all. Just go down the list. There's plenty of injustices. But the main injustice is that my son is not being worshipped. Therefore, every people group and every person is going to suffer the greatest injustice ever because things are out of alignment. That's why I'm raising up the house of prayer in every city of the earth so that there can be places that sustain the presence of God, teaching and training, singers, musicians, preachers, disciples of all types, sizes, kinds, whatever that looks like, in the knowledge of God, training them to respond to the Lord's solution in the earth. Verse 10. Here's the response, the Lord says. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants, villages of Kedar, let them shout from the top of the mountains. Give glory to the Lord, declare his praise. What happens when that response is given from God's people? Well, the Lord will go forth like a mighty man. He will stir up his zeal like a man of war. Now we see the introduction of God loosing justice in the earth. It's directly connected to his second coming. 
Isaiah 42 has the first coming of Jesus. And if you continue all the way to chapter 43, it has the second coming of Jesus. It speaks of Israel's end time condition. But it also speaks of the response of God's people to his son bringing the solution. He doesn't say, go strategize and figure out a way to do this. He goes, the response to my son is to sing. Thus, one of the purposes of this room, to train prophetic singers, equip prophetic singers and musicians, to bring people into agreement with God. Look at number three. Worship and prayer at the end of the age is going to be the function of the church. It will not be the only thing that we do, but it will be the main function of the church. Why? Number four, to counteract the counterfeit worship that's going to be taking place on the earth. You say, where do you see that? Revelation 13 is where it's culminating. That there will be a worship movement on the earth stealing the affections of men. Call it what you want. Satanic worship, idol worship, but it will be given to the enemy and it will be raised, raised up in the earth. And the Lord says, I'm going to preempt that. I'm going to raise up singers and musicians that will sing a new song, will sing my song. Again, the importance of this room, the importance of what we do here daily, the importance of everything that we do from this place is with that vantage point. Worship and prayer at the end of the age to counteract the counterfeit. Turn over real quick. Number five. What is your role in singing to the Lord? Throughout the Old Testament, we see, and a few times in the book of Revelation, we see this phrase called a new song. Sing a new song to the Lord. That's not just one new song, nor is that just the song that I get up here when I'm up here like, you know, I get this song, everybody's like, wow, that, let's write a song. The new song is, a, is like a catalog of songs. It's many songs that God wants sung through you and I. If you're on the platform, as our platform, or if you're not in the platform, we're all commanded to sing, and it's a new song that we sing to the Lord in response to him bringing justice to the nations. He wants to bring justice to the nations through our singing. A singing prayer movement. A singing prayer movement. Why? Because at the end of the age, that's what Satan is raising up in the earth. Worship. He's going after the affections of our hearts to steal our affections away from Jesus. The Lord says, the wisdom is to sing a new song about me. Who I am. That's the new song. The new song is about who God is. And when that gets released through us and sung, something happens in the atmosphere. I don't know how that works. I'm just looking at the Bible verses on that. Again, in Isaiah 42, God doesn't just say, behold my son, go plan this awesome thing, Jim, that you can come up with. He says, my son is here. He's come to you, filled you with his spirit. He won't be discouraged in the assignment I've given you. He won't fail at what I've asked him to do. So here's what I want you to do, Jim. What, Lord? How do I respond? What's my part? Sing. 
Sing? Sing. Just sing by myself? If need be? But you'll have more fun if you do it with more people. And you do it corporately in a room together. And the, all of you together are learning about who my son is so that you can sing about him together. And you're singing songs about my son that's loosing justice across the city. Yes, that's our part. The purpose of the house of prayer. Now let's get very specific and we'll wrap it up here. The power of God's song in your mouth. This is for everyone here. Not just for people who feel like they're supposed to, I'm, I'm a singer. Number one, it, it unlocks barrenness in our life. Barrenness. What do I mean by barrenness? When you don't feel anything. Everybody, has anybody ever had a day in their life when you don't feel close to God? Wow, thank you for honest, being honest. If you have never had a day like that, it's coming. Sorry, I don't mean to be that prophet. But if you've never had a day like that, I'm going to be that prophet. If you haven't had that day, you're not normal. You'll get normal. But it's true. I remember, I just, I have no qualms with saying that. I'm not saying, I'm not prophesying you into uh, dullness. But I'm prophesying you into reality. Because there's going to be days where you're like, I just don't feel Jesus very much. And he's like, right, sing. Sing? Yes. Sing. Isaiah 54 verse 1 says, Sing, oh you barren. Those who don't feel God. Those who feel like you've got nothing to give. Secondly, it releases freedom in your life when you sing. Deliverance. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, tells this story about when God's people began to sing that the Lord himself conquered their enemies. The simplicity of a song is foolishness to people very often, but it's powerful in God. See, we can be continually filled with the Holy Spirit when we open our mouth and sing. As you can tell in your notes, I said it releases spiritual enzymes. It's like your diet gets the right enzymes released on the inside of you. I can remember, this is kind of crazy. It doesn't have to do with singing, but it has more to do with the posture of my heart. When I was in, uh, living in Colorado Springs, I was like 25 years old. Last thing I moved there, and you just had had Zach, and they put me on the drums to play the drums, right? And I can remember, I just, you know, I was, I was doing full-time ministry, and, you know, 30 hours a week, and I was working a full-time job outside doing 40 hours a week of sales. And I can remember, I'd be like, I couldn't wait just to play the drums and get in worship, because it was, I'm like, I'm here with my friends. And I can remember just times where I'm like, I just need to get filled up. We'd be right in the middle of a worship song. I'd be back there playing the drums. I'd throw the drumsticks, jump off the platform, and run around the church right in the middle of worship. Who does that? Crazy guys do that. 
and there'd be like, there goes Jim again. Because it wasn't just once I did it. I was like, no, if I got Holy Ghost feet going on, see you later drumsticks and see you later drums. I'll find the rhythm when I get back. <laughs> you know, this was this was back in the days when there was all just more craziness going on in the church. You know, you, we call it renewal, little R renewal. You know, woohoo, happy feet. But there was something about it that when I gave myself to just twirling around and singing, I was like, spiritual enzymes are being released on the inside of me. Something's taking place as I just release this song to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ live in you richly and sing psalms. When we lift our voices, you guys, every you guys that are like, what are they doing right now when they just lift their voices? And you look around at some of us and we're just all, you know, we're just all doing it. You hear us singing. If you're like, I've never done this before, and I know what it is, because I, I watch people on the platform. It's happening in Sacramento, because we go, let's lift our voices. And if we have the singers up there, it's like this. If they're singing, first they're singing their favorite song. What's a, a, a new song? I don't know any new songs right now at all. I do so many oldie moldies. But it's like, okay, let's just say, Defender. What's the Defender song? Yeah, it's a great song. I love it. People are going, yeah, and, and the singers are singing it. Defender. And then we go, let's lift our voices. Defender. <laughs> nobody lifts their voices and nobody sings to Jesus because they're like, how do I do that? I understand it. It's like, is, is it okay to do? What are they doing? Am I allowed to do this? I don't have anything to sing. And, and I, these are not just younger singers. These are seasoned singers that I'm like, sing. Take your Bible. Open it up to Psalm 23 and sing Psalm 23 to the Lord. Sing it gently. Sing it without any volume even. But just enough so you can hear it. Your ears can hear it coming out of your mouth. It does wonders. Whistle it if you want to. <laughs> Do something that releases the Spirit of God on the inside of you so that it comes up out of your spirit, which is here, not here, that's your heart. Your spirit's here in your belly. Your spirit's in your belly. And sing a song that comes up out of your belly, just across your lips, and you hear it, and you're like, the Lord is my shepherd. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. And he's like, I love when you do that. I love when you do that. And all these spiritual enzymes are happening inside of you, and your spirit is getting stronger, and something's happening in the atmosphere around you. But more than that, nothing can happen around you. There's so much happening inside of you when you do that. It's one of the most neglected gifts in the body of Christ to sing to Jesus, the song that is not on the overhead. As long as it's on the overhead and we like it, we're like, I'm in. But as soon as we're cut loose on our own, we're like, Lord says, sing psalms, sing hymns, make melody, sing your own song to the Lord. And then the last one is to sing spontaneously, which is what I was just describing a Paul the Apostle tells us to sing with our spirit and to sing with our understanding. Singing with your spirit means to sing with a prayer language. If you don't have a prayer language, 
Anybody in the room, don't respond because I don't want to put anybody on the spot. If you don't have a prayer language, meaning tongues, and you would like to have a prayer language, ask God to give you a prayer language. It's that simple. It, it really is that simple. If you don't have a prayer language, and you're like, I don't want one, then sing in your own language to the Lord. Because it all counts. That's what Paul meant. The thing I like about singing in the Spirit is I don't have to come up with anything. Yeah. I just release my spirit to God, and I don't know what I'm saying. I think I know what I'm saying, but the Lord's like, you don't know what you're saying. It's just it's your spirit in me, and I'm just going to strengthen you. Again, one of the most neglected gifts in the body of Christ is singing spontaneously. And yet there's such power released on the inside of us when we do it. Well, the house of prayer... One of the purposes of the house of prayer is to do what I've just been talking about. Because you have the atmosphere to do it, and you've got the time to do it, and you can't do it wrong. You guys that are singing here in this room, you can't do it wrong. How do you sing wrong to Jesus? Well, don't come up with ways. You know what I'm saying. How do you sing wrong to Jesus? You can't. So I say, just go for it. If you're up here singing on a mic, let it go. Just sing your own song. If it's one word, sing that to him. You know. Mm -hmm. But we got to step into it and begin to do it. More than just me telling you this tonight, I'm, I want to. I, I like to say it into the atmosphere around us that that's why this room exists, and. We need your voice released in this room. Your voice, when we lift our voices together, we need it released. So, amen to that. I, I yield. I yield my time.